All right. Second Corinthians 10, 4 to 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Amen. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. Let's pray. Father, we want to obey you. We want to obey you well, but part of it is not just self-will. Part of it is not deciding. Part of it is just you moving in our minds and shifting things and helping us to break down strongholds and take every thought captive. So what used to be impossible now can be possible. What used to be dead can come alive because you are here with us. Holy Spirit, you are here and you heal. It's not something that you do because you have to. It's, it's not something that you do only because you want to. You do it because that's who you are. You're a healer. So come and heal our congregation, not just our body, but our minds. But our minds, because our minds are tired and they are sick. We need you. We thank you. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Family, we can win when we take our thoughts captive. Victory comes when we have this victory over our minds. Let's go to our verse, scripture today, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare. So it is talking about warfare. There's something that's happening, and that is warfare in your mind. There's a spiritual warfare that's happening, and it's saying not of the flesh, so the spirit, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Wait a minute, strongholds, what are they? Can I submit to you that maybe this is a mind loop? Strongholds. And if you go to actually Psalm 9, and, uh, Psalm 9 chapter, chapter 9, verse 9, stronghold in the Old Testament sense is not a negative thing because it says the Lord is our stronghold, the Lord himself. It could be a negative thing, but it could be a positive thing. It cuts both ways. So yes, we should break down negative strongholds, but our Lord, the word of God ought to be our stronghold. It fights for us. It protects us in the season and the time of need. In verse 5, we destroy arguments. Isn't that a thought, a mind thing? And every lofty opinion, isn't that a mind thing? Raised against the knowledge of God, isn't that a mind thing? And take every thought, isn't that a mind thing as well, family? Captive to obey Christ. What does it mean, captive? It means in the Greek to have spear point. You are having your thoughts at spirit point. It's having a guard, or can I say a bouncer? So every thought that comes to your mind, you need a bouncer to say, wait, can I check your ID? Not that kind of ID, but you know, the ID of kingdom. Some of you just went through your past experience. You're like, wait a minute, God, I was there and I'm not there anymore. Not just because of COVID, because I love you, you know. <laughs> hey, but repeat after me. Hey, talk to your neighbor. Go there far. Say this to him. You need a bouncer for your mind. You turn to your second favorite next, you know, your neighbor, because you just turned to someone that was your first favorite, now second turn to your second favorite, and say, you need a bouncer for your mind. We need a bouncer, a guard for our mind, because that is where warfare happens. That is where life flows from. You lose, you fail, you fall, you falter, or you win. You are walking from victory to victory if you have the right mindset in Christ. That's what the Bible is saying. What is spiritual warfare? What is the, what is the ground, battleground of spiritual warfare? Your mind. It makes it very clear in this scripture. 
Oxford Handbook of Philosophy and Neuroscience says this, that every one of us as human beings, we have a mind loop that happens in our mind. That's the term they use. And this is what they say, that 80% of our thoughts are not you. What they're saying is we think the same thing over and over. 80% of our thoughts are the same thing in our mind over and over and over. It is shaping us. It's shaping our behavior and our minds and our relationship, even in our future, without us knowing. 80% of our thoughts. And you thought, I thought I was smart. You thought you were smart. No, you're just thinking the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Unless you, I don't listen to something great. And you go like, oh, that's new. Because that's out of the, that's only the 20%. It doesn't happen often, does it now? So yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Mind loop happening. And here's an interesting thing. So you take captive of that mind loop, or can I say strongholds? If you do so, what happens? The last, last part of verse 5, to obey Christ. Your actions change. Hear me very carefully. You and I have been trying enough, hard, and long enough to just change our behavior. But if our mind loop really changes, our behavior, our obedience, almost automatically becomes easier. Are you listening to this? Because this will help you in victory to obey Christ, to obey Christ. We've been trying so hard to have behavior modifications. That's not enough. We need to change our mind loop. Um, Anne Graville in, in MIT Department of Brain and Cognitive Science, she did an experiment over a mouse, and she wants to know how the brain works, so she put sensors, 150 sensors in that little mice brain. I don't even know how it's possible. 150 sensors on a mice brain. It's very small. Have you seen that movie Ratatouille, Rami? You know, it's a small mouse. You know, it's, I, okay. And then he said, you know, here's a maze. Put that, let's call that mouse Rami. Rami is in that maze, and it's... There's opposite end, there's a chocolate. Smell it, go get him. And, and the brain lights up, 150 sensors all over the place. Going from places to place, smelling chocolate, tasting and feeling different things, excited, right? But here's an interesting thing. It, 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 interesting thing. You put that same mouse and do it over and over and over. And after a long period of time, it's going through the maze and the brain doesn't light up. To the point where the brain wave is almost the same as when the mouse is sleeping. But haven't I experienced that? Haven't you experienced that too? You know, you're going to work, you get in the car, you get to work, and you have no idea how you got to work. <laughs> you're going to school, you have no idea how you got there. Like, wait, where am I? You're eating, you sit down to eat. You look down at your bowl or your pizza plate, and you go like, who ate all this? Who ate a whole pizza, large pizza? Moi, is it me? And your brain wakes up. You've done that. I've done that. We've done that many times. Actually, you do your house chore all day long, and you're tired. You're taking care of the kids and everything. And you're like, your husband comes home. You're like, how did your day go? What did you do? I'm like, I have no idea. Because you're in an automatic, automatic, you know, autopilot mode. But then what if you're making all the wrong decisions automatically? Because they say, behavior science statists would say, we automatically choose 40 to 50% of our decisions every day. So 40 to 50% of our decisions every day, they say it is decided automatically by the mindset that we already have. So wouldn't that encourage you or me, both of us, all of us, to work on our mindset? Because that is changing behavior. That is where spiritual battle is won and lost. So that's 
what I want you to talk, what that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to I want to do two things today. Number one, I'm going to through an Old Testament scripture, as I just gave an intro to kind of go through a man's life from a macro level and say, okay, let's talk about the mind loop that was happening in his in this in his life, and we're going to apply that. I'm going to introduce you to a. Uh, exercise that you can do to really work this out. So let's jump into the scripture again. I want to, the man that I want to talk to you about is Moses. Moses. We have a young lady at our um, Korean congregation. Her name is Moselle. And I said, Moselle, is it a scripture name? I don't know Moselle. And she said, yes, it's a feminine form of Moses. That's a thing, huh? And you put a Z. It's not a Moselle. It's Moselle. A little gangster of you. I love it. She's, she's sitting right there, and she's really embarrassed by me. I'm sorry. Okay, anyway, back to Moses, right? The th- there are three voices that define Moses' life and his mind loop. Number one, if you're taking notes, people's voices in his, in his life. Exodus chapter 2, 14, he answered, and this is the man who was actually accusing Moses. He said this, who made you? And I'll just stop right there. Who made you? Who made you a prince and a judge over us? The story is this, you know this, the backdrop is this. Moses grew up with two different cultures. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't supposed to be that Pharaoh's house and in that, as a prince, but he grew up that way. So he always grew up in two different worlds, being confused sometimes and sometimes just being angry. Sometimes that angst comes from that disconnect that you have in your life. And then one day he finds that there's, disjust, there's just injustice happening towards his brother, to all his brothers and his people, and decide, you know, I'm going to do something about it. So he goes out one day, and here's this Egyptian abusing this one Jewish man. So he goes over and, and helps him out and, and actually strikes this man, and this Egyptian man dies. So he hides the body. So he literally has a skeleton in his closet, a past that he really wants to now, he's now re- really regretting. He has it, and he's there. And, 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 you know, you think the guy who helped you, and haven't you had that experience too? You, you, you helped that family. You helped that brother or sister. You, you thought they'll be grateful. So your heart was wide open towards them. Come on, somebody. Am I talking to real people here where you really helped them because they needed the help? You wanted the right thing. Or rather, what do they do? They don't thank you. They turn around and accuse you. They say something like this. Who are you? I didn't ask for your help. Who are you giving advices? Who are you? And that's the voice that entered Moses. People's voice in our lives define or tries to define who we are and tries to become the mindset, the mind loop that we have. The voices that you heard from your family at your young, young age, from your relatives, from your teachers, your coaches. When you become a teenager, isn't it important what your friends say about you or your first girlfriend or boyfriend? or your community, or your culture say about you. So what the social media says about you and your life, or Netflix says about your life. And you start to compare, compare notes in your life and what it looks like and what they're saying in the comments and how many likes you're getting and they're getting. Why do they look so good? What filter are they using? What's happening here? Why do I look so fat? Can I say the largest, the loudest voice, one of the loudest voices that we have in our culture right now to you is this, people's voices in your life especially towards ladies. You're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not beautiful enough. You know why? Because there are people invested to make sure that you feel that way. And ladies, haven't you felt that? Guys, I know you do as well. You felt that. You've heard that for your whole life, entire life. So you've thought that about you. I'm not 
beautiful enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not good enough. Research says that in any time in the history of America, especially in the last 100 years, over 50% of American women have been on diet. Not that they're losing weight. They're just on a diet. They're just on a diet. Doesn't mean you're losing weight. They're just on 50%. And they also say 50% of first graders in America are on a diet because they're not skinny enough. It's not a health issue. Their first graders are thinking, thinking, you know what? I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to enter preschool. What? That's weird. That's wrong. And economists did this math, and that's just what they said. If every woman in America and Canada decides they're going to stop using beauty products and diet products for a week, our economy will have crisis like 9-11. Are you hearing this? This is how much we're spending on beauty and diet products. This is just money. This is just economy talking. Because we're trying to fight the voice. You're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not good enough. Who will love you if you look like that? And maybe that has become your voice. And this is going to matter. This is going to matter. Because that voice is actually fighting with God's voice and God's call in your life. It's not just about you feeling bad. It's not about you just being tired. It's not about, oh, what if I'm not loved? It's, not, it's more than that. A call, a kingdom is at risk when you feel that way, when you think, think about yourself that way because mindset, mind loop is a spiritual warfare. All right, let's move on. So that's, that's people's voice. Second voice in Moses' life is my voice. So that people's voice that you heard as you were growing up or even as after you grew up, that can easily become your own voice. And your voice, your own voice is harder to distinguish and discern, and your voice is sometimes even harsher. Your mind loop, it's just so mean. You and I are so mean to each other. Sometimes we're good at giving grace to others. We're horrible at giving grace to myself. I am. What about you? So let's go to Exodus 3.11. So Moses now runs away for 40 years He's, now been, he's been now steeping and stewing in that voice that he heard, who are you, 40 years ago. Now that voice, that, that voice that's something mean to Moses and negative and accusatory Moses, now have become Moses' own voice, chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? Isn't it interesting? In chapter 2, Moses heard this from someone else, who are you? Now Moses saying, God, who am I? Are you hearing this? Are you hearing this? What they said now have become my voice. You didn't think about that way about yourself when you were growing up, when you were first birthed, because God made your mind beautiful and wonderful. God called you beautiful and wonderful. Yet Satan came along and said, you know what? Who are you? And you start to believe that. And you start to say that to yourself. That is a stronghold. That is a mindset. Who are you? You're not enough. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are? You think you could? You think you could be on stage? You think you could sing? You could lead? You think you could, you think you could be baptized and be changed? That's all lie of the enemy. You'll go back to your old ways. Listen to me. I'm speaking prophetically. That's all lie of the enemy. You're making right choices. God has called you. You're a family now. God will lead you and bless you. Fresh grace and Holy Spirit will come upon you. Just receive that and walk in that. That voice has become, you just go back to your old, you're a failure, you go back. That has been part of Moses' voice. And now he's saying to God, reciting it to God like it's the truth. 
Who am I, God? Who am I? There's a man by, by the name Bo Eason. He played four seasons for Houston Oilers. So he was a professional athlete. He, he, he made it. It was his dream. And he, he gets this horrible knee injury, and he has to now quit. He couldn't play anymore. So he makes this major shift in his career. He thinks, what do I want to, what, what did I always want to do if it's not sports? He said, I wanted to act. An NFL player now acting. People might think it's weird, but he said, you know, that's my dream. So he actually, he actually becomes a Broadway playwright and an actor. And he was taught by Al Pacino. Pretty good coach, right? Yeah, pretty good coach. Al Pacino. And his, his writings and plays now are reviewed as one of the best acts. And in one of the um, articles, he was giving his life story. He says this, and the question was this. Where do you find that, where did you find that inner strength? I mean, all your, all your, all your plans and your dreams, now it seems to just fall apart, and you, try, you have to make you know, the second half of your life better. How do you find that inner strength to make that shift and change? And he's told this story. As I was growing up, right before I you know, um, get into bed and get out of bed, my dad will come. My dad will come and, and rub my back and say this. You're the champ. You're my champion. You're the best. He say this over and over every day. Even on his first date, he's uh, taking his first girlfriend on a first date ever. He's walking out of the porch, now getting into the car. His dad walks out of the door, and he screams, Hey, my boy, you are the champion. You are the best. And he's so embarrassed. Daddy, I'm with my first girlfriend. Isn't that true, though? That voice of encouragement that we want so bad sometimes are just embarrassing. But we remember it. Oh, parents, what you say, the power that God has given you to disciple these children, the minds that are so malleable and moldable and agile, what you're sowing is just incredible. He says, somewhere, somewhere, just if I get so tired and I'm just so sick of myself, I hear that voice, you're a champion. You're the best. I'm going, I don't know if he knows Jesus, but this is what I know. He has a good mind loop. And his parents invested in him something good. And now it has become his own voice. If you do have a positive voice like that in your life, God bless you. May we have that influence over our next generation and people around you, over our spouses. Because there are enough negative voices and discouraging voices around us where we could say, you are the champion because Jesus is and he lives inside of you. You are the best. You are the best. I believe in you. But then how, but don't we have negative voices too? Famous people like Napoleon is famous for his mom just continuously favoring his brother. So Napoleon, when he actually conquered whole Europe, you know what he did? This is what historians say. Because that voice was inside of him. You're not good enough. You're second to your brother. You're second to your brother. You need to prove yourself. You need to prove yourself. The first thing that he does after he conquers the whole Europe is this. He goes and tells his mama, Mama, I conquered a continent. Am I better now? Sounds foolish and childish, but that's what mind loop does to us, doesn't it? That's a famous story to Van Gogh. You know him as a painter and artist as well. He actually tried preaching because he wanted to become a preacher. He spoke. He preached. And after he spoke, I guess it wasn't that good because it was his first sermon. He was walking down, and the leaders came and said, you're a horrible preacher. You should never preach again. 
That negative voice now became his internal voice, and he actually never came back to church after that. That's sad. Growing up, I've always to deal with myself as well. That voice in me always said, you are behind, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you're not, a, you're not a good enough pastor, husband, you're not a good enough Christian. And I'm just scratching the surfaces, the mind loops that I had to deal with. And my question is to you, what is yours? What is yours? Because knowing that, it is spiritual warfare. Let's go to the third voice, and the last voice is the voice of God. So people's voice, Moses' own voice, my voice, and finally the voice of God. Exodus 3.10 says this, Come, this is the voice of God, I will send you to Pharaoh. I love how the voice of God always comes with a calling. He loves, but he gives us purpose. And you may now bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. There's a calling. And, and from this point on, chapter 3 and 4, Moses is now wrestling God, and he's now trying to convince God. Probably a bad effort to convince the Almighty God, the wise one, the wisdom himself. He's saying, but, you know, what do I say you are? Who, who, who do I say you are? And you know what Moses is really asking is, I don't even know who you are. How am I supposed to follow you? And God says, okay, I am that I am. I'm the Lord. Okay, next argument. But who will follow me? Remember that voice, that internal voice? Listen, isn't it interesting that what used to be people's voice now has become my internal voice as my internal voice is now fighting the voice of God? Are you hearing this? Are you catching this? Because that is spiritual warfare. That is what is stopping your obedience, my obedience to God. It is not that you don't want to. You believe it. You know it's true. You want to. But you can't because there's a voice inside of you. You shouldn't. Who are you? Who are you? That voice takes shape and inform and morphs into so many different ways and facets and colors and repeats itself in different, itself in different ways. Who are you? So Moses says, God, who's going to follow me? Me. Who's going to? I'm a murderer. I have a skeleton in my closet. Look at my past. I can't do that. And God says, you can, and he gives him a, a signs and wonders, staff turning to, it's just amazing. And then the next one he says, but I can't speak. And that was my challenge too. I, I grew up um, first, when I, when I moved to Hong Kong when I was in fifth grade, I had to learn two different languages on top of my mother tongue, Korean. I had to learn English at school, and I had to learn Cantonese or some kind of Chinese language that I could live with in daily lives. So what happened? Did I, did I become fluent in all languages? No. I just became less fluent in all languages. She knows what I'm talking. She's like, I know I grew up in two language culture. My mom speaks to me Korean and I have to speak English to my friends. And really, I'm not really that great in English or Korean. I got you. So, so, it's all different. You all have different story. I have this different story. But we want to say to God, but I, I can't speak, God. I, mean, I have to be in front of people. I can't say, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fumble my words. And what, what are they going to think about me? And I want to help you ladies. Sometimes you feel that way. They're all looking at me, how I look. When God asks you to lead, even in your corporate world, I'm, I know I'm speaking to someone right now. God is saying lead, stand. And that, that part of that takes a moment of you need to be on the platform and you need to speak to people. And you're thinking, ah, oh, man, they're going to judge my hair to my shoes from head to toe and how I say what I say. And am I sweating right now? Is my makeup, oh, no, am I met? And it's like, oh, God, I can't do this. Let me ask you, is that the voice of God? Or is that your stronghold?
God wants to help you. God wants to free you. And when, when God says, you can't speak, I'll send you Aaron. He sends people, community, beautiful. And finally, he runs of argument. Moses, he just says this. Chapter 4, 13 says, God says, please send someone else. I ran out of excuses and arguments, so just someone else will do. I will support intercede. No intercession is great, but saying, just someone else. Oh, this is different. This is not humility. When Moses says, who am I? That's not humility. That's unbelief and fear because his mindset, mind loop, was messed up. What's the remedy? The voice of God, hear me, that shifts from me-centeredness to God-centeredness. Chapter 411, the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Chapter 3, verse 12 is the same thing. He repeats himself, God, but I will be with you. You know why we're so insecure? Because we want to qualify because we want to be enough. That's why we can't obey God. But God is saying, stop trying to be enough. Stop trying to get to the point of pleasing someone or someone loving you because you achieved something. But God is saying, I will be with you. And God is saying, that is enough. We need to move from what do I have to who's walking with me? The Holy Spirit. Hear me very carefully because this is where psychology meets the gospel and now becomes the gospel because all truth is God's truth. They're just borrowing it. We had the truth all along. Okay, let, let me stay there and let me say this. Okay, if you meet with a, a good, good, good counselor, good psychologist, great. They'll help you, but if, if they don't have the gospel, they might help you with shame. They can't help you because shame has to do with people to people. It's an issue between relationships. They will be able to help you in that. I get it. But guilt, they will never be able to solve. Hear me. Guilt feeling? Yes. Because it's a feeling. But because it's a feeling, you'll have to go back to them over and over and over and over. But the gospel solves the issue of guilt because guilt is before God. Without the gospel... Us and God will never get right. So what you feel internally will never really get right. Yeah, your relationship might be, oh, you read all those books and those are helpful. Great. Praise God for you. Self-help books, great. But without the cross, the essential, the root, it doesn't get solved. And the root says this. It's not you who needs to become greater. It is God in your life, in your faith. And the gospel says it is not your work, but the work of Christ on the cross that is enough for you for the eternity and for the rest of your life, all your past, all your present, all your future. That is the gospel. It's not on you. It's on the cross. And if the cross of Jesus Christ is not for God, you are enough. Because the Father now sees you through the cross. And that now changes everything. And you and I now start to really speak that in our minds and start to break strongholds that have been lying to you for decades and years and say, no, that's a lie. And here's the truth. When I view myself through the cross, 
The one who prophesied, and here's an interesting thing about prophecy. When someone prophesies over you, say, oh, those are great words, I receive it, but I really don't know if I can believe it because I don't know if I'm all that. But it is still true, hear me, why? Because God is not restricted to time. When he prophesies over you, he's not saying that's who you are right now. He sees you and he's saying that's who you are, but he's not saying right now. Because to him it doesn't matter. Past, future, and now to him is all the same thing. It's all truth to him. And But when he declared it in heaven, it is so in earth. So you receive it, you declare it over yourself. And here's the thing, you also always want someone to prophesy over you. Start prophesying to yourself. Why? Because God has spoken to you already in the scripture and through someone else already. Deanna has been speaking to many of you in prophecy. Pastor Jim have. Why don't you go revisit that and now prophesy it over yourself? Why are you always waiting for someone else to change your mind over and over? Saying, I need therapy over and over. I need God. I need. No, that's all great, but hear me. Maybe God has equipped you enough. What you need is all in the Bible. I was about to hold the Bible in there because I don't have a Bible. I just have an iPad. So it's not a good visual illustration, but you know what I'm trying to say. You have enough promises in that book. You have enough to break every stronghold, every mind loop that have been lying to you for decades. And there's power when you hold to the scripture. Okay, exercise. What, 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 what can we do from here? Could you put up a slide that I sent to you? So if you're joining online, you'll be able to get this as well. And this is what I would like you to do. Um, if you'd like to continue in this journey, take a moment. This matters more than all these talks and moments that we had here. And, oh, is it that? Can I be on the screen? No, you might be able to find it online. We'll figure it out. So what you do is this. You go find an undistracted place in place. It takes about 30 to 45 minutes to do this exercise. You write this down. You write down what people say about me. So you're going to, what they call, what psychologists will say, brain dump. So what you're going to do is you're going to sit, be still, and you write this down. You are what people said about you through decades. You just write down what's positive and negative. You just write it in. Just taking just, you know, minutes and then let it, let it be hours if it needs to be. But start with minutes. You are, whatever people said about you, just write it out. Write everything out as much as you can. What did people say about you throughout your life, positive and negative? And then the next section, you move to saying this, what do I say about me? So I am, and fill in the blank, positive and negative. Do that, th do that for about 10 minutes. So you have four quadrants. Let me just review. One, what people say about you, you are positive and negative. And you say, what I say about me, positive and negative. And do each quadrant five to ten minutes. Just still yourself, spend the time, hear me. Some of us have been running so fast, have been keeping ourselves busy because we've been trying to run away from those thoughts, those voices. What you do is turn around, you say, okay, you want to talk? Sit, let's have coffee. And you really sit down, stare them in the face because you have the gospel in your hand right now. And you listen to it. Okay, just write it down. And lastly, this is what you do. You discern that mind loop. You discern that stronghold. If, if it is viewed through the gospel and you find it to be true, you leave it. If it's negative, you cross it out. Cross it out, cross it out, cross it out. Declare in the name of Jesus and start crossing it out. 
If you're confused, and this is important, if you're confused, if they're negative, you circle it. And then what you do, you find someone, you discern it with that person, you talk to that person. When you do so, they'll help you. Doing, by, doing it by yourself will be helpful. I've done this exercise with many people across many different cultures and, and age, age it's, it's helpful. Yet what is most powerful is sitting down with a trusted small group, praise the Lord for a small group. If you're in a safe small group, you should do this. Sit down with your brothers, your sisters, your family. Say, okay, you know what? This is what I really feel about me. And really, I'm confused. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. You discern. I want to encourage you. In the next seven days, it'll take 40 minutes. Work on your strongholds. We moved to our new house. Um, Sarah, when did we move? 2007, was it? Something like that, right? Some time ago. We forgot. But we moved to our new house quite some time. And it wasn't, we didn't build it, so um, we didn't install it. But at our backyard, there's a little pond. When we first walked in, it was all so beautiful pond, not knowing that pond takes a lot of work and maintenance and money. So it got, it, it was just broken. It was leaking. So I just left it to be. Um, and then rain comes sometimes, and it just fills up. And the water just goes, start to go bad. I, I didn't know water could go bad like that. It starts to smell really bad, you know. My back, I just don't go. And then one day, we're just hanging out. It was the summer, and, and my wife started to say, you know what? Every time I step out, there's a mosquito just flying. Our house is just, every, it's just mosquitoes everywhere. I'm like, what do you mean? It's just the summer, honey. She's like, no, our, our house especially. I'm like, okay. So one day, I was trying to go out on my bike ride, and I went to the outdoor, and I stood in front of my pond, and I noticed it was filled with mosquitoes because the water was now just, oh, it was just smelly, and it was just been dead for such a long time that all these weird things are living there. So I started to fix it, and now water is now flowing. There's new water here. Mosquitoes left. But not only that, we have two frogs now who live there, <laughs> little one and small one. And also birds come all the time to drink out of it. Some of you, you've been chasing away at your mosquitoes long enough. It is now time to fix your pond. Yeah, chasing away those mosquitoes. Oh, pray for me, my mosquitoes are here again. It stings and it's like, it's like itchy and I get it. No, no, no. That's helpful. We all need that. But now, work on the dirty water. Because when you do, people, lives will be able to be fed from you, be blessed by you. You'll have breakthrough. God led me to weep for you last night as I was praying for this message. Because there's so much warfare, so much pain in this topic. I wept for you because the Lord said, I need you too. There's no other way. So I don't even know what I'm praying. I just wept and wept and wept. I know God wants to set you free from this pain so you could bless many lives. Let me pray. Father, um, I don't know where all these things landed, and I don't know, but I pray that this will only be a start of your move, Lord. I mean, this is informational, and this is helpful here and there, but more than anything, that we'll be able to find our own strongholds, even the things that I started to notice, that they started to notice here and there. Now go deep and start to break down that stronghold because we know in that we'll start to have life, not only for us, but for those around us and for the city that you've called us to win.
We thank you, Lord. And those who are choosing to do those exercises, God, I pray that you'll move, even those who will do it tonight, Lord, that you move in power, that you'll touch, and you start to, Holy Spirit, you'll remind them of things. I bless them in the name of Jesus Christ, that you'll remind them of things by the power of the Holy Spirit, of things that happened in the past, things people said, even 40 or decades or years ago, and start to rise up as you're trying to clean house and renew them all over. We thank you. It is in your name we pray. Amen.